0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Adventures in DevOps. I'm your host for the day, Jonathan Hall. And here I'm excited to have with me in our virtual studio, Nitsan Ziv. Nitsan, welcome to the show. Hey, Jonathan. Pleasure being here. Would you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and what you know about DevOps, why we should listen to you today. Okay, Um, so um, I used to work for Checkpoint for 10
1: years as the Vice President of Cybersecurity. Uh, We've encountered a lot of uh, challenges regarding AppSec. Uh, We went abroad and actually asked friends whether they're encountering the same issues, and it came across the board that everybody is dissatisfied with what they've got today. And started looking for things to actually how to improve it. And especially in today's uh, software supply chain became a big thing. And and this is what we've been doing for the past uh, two years. Nice. And if you ask me, uh, what is the one thing that I know that makes it uh, interesting for this discussion? Is that throughout the years, we created some kind of um, a rule or internal rule called 3 promo it means that uh, about a third of a percentage of the cases that you're going to see will be an anomaly. And this guides us through everything that we do, saying if you deep dive enough in a big enough pile of data, you're going to find unique and interesting cases, and in security, it's key.
0: Fascinating. So I like talking about security, um, mainly because there's so much I can learn about security, because I'm not a security guru, uh, but it's a fascinating topic. So. Um, before we hit record, you were talking about uh, Dev SecOps and Sec DevOps. You know, we, we like to add words to, to DevOps. You know, De- uh, Biz DevOps, and and uh, you know, there, there's just a thousand different things we can add there. Talk to me about your take on uh, DevSecOps versus Sec DevOps. Is there a difference, and what is it? So um, let's
1: start before the distinction between the two. Mm-hmm. Let's start with what does it actually mean and what's supposed to mean. Right. So imagine what is actually DevOps is you've got operations, you've got developers, and now you need to somehow connect them. They used to be a part, two different teams reporting to two different sections within the organization. And definitely there was disconnect and then DevOps was created. Saying we need to take developers, we need to take operations, somebody needs to be in the middle or to own it and now we've got DevOps. What happens next is saying, okay, now I've got the DevOps running all the pipelines from code to cloud, delivering things fast, maybe even in a continuous delivery method. But now the big challenge becomes how does security come into that? Now, if you might be recording something that happened, let's say 15 years ago, uh, there was a process. You release the version once every quarter And security would come in two or three weeks before the quarter, do some scans saying, you need to fix those things. In the modern world of continuous delivery, there is no such process or a point in time that somebody can actually say, you know what, let's do a security review. You need to do it in a continuous way, just the way that you're releasing software. Mm -hmm. And here DevSecOps comes into play. How do you take security practices and connect them to developers. So if we started this long answer by saying developers on one hand ops on the other hand now we've got devops on one hand and security on the other hand and now you need to glue them together mm-hmm. to build process that works continuously. Mm-hmm. So that's devsecops. Okay. Sec devops is usually people that started with security and then morphed into saying we understand that we can't block the business, but we need to integrate to DevOps. So I think it's just the origin of where you started your journey.
0: DevOps-oriented or
1: security-oriented?
0: Makes sense. All right. And which do you consider yourself to be? Are you more DevOps-oriented or more security-oriented? First of all, we consider ourselves as DevSecOps, which is... uh, (laughs) why <laughs> did I have to find that one?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Actually, I've got a t-shirt that's saying DevSecOps. Okay. But um, uh, what we encountered is actually, okay, you wanted this process and you're going to have a lot of small things that you need to do and finding partners that will do it with you is always easier. So this is the DevSecOps. We're definitely on, on that uh, trend of the, of the calling name. DevSecOps mm-hmm. or DevSecOps.
0: So let's talk about what are some of the security practices that need to be, as you said, glued into DevOps? Because I mean, I, I can think of a million things from making sure passwords are long enough and they aren't you know, sequential numbers to making sure dependencies uh, don't have CVEs in them. And you know, there's a million other things. What kinds of things uh, are you talking about? And, and maybe the answer is everything, but I'll put it in your own words. What, what things are you talking about? that we need to integrate with DevOps when it comes to security? Okay, so I think um, the the answer
1: to your question is actually the reason that we started the current journey, uh, which is we found ourselves asking the same question, saying, okay, what do we need to do? So let's buy a software composition, let's buy some study code analysis, just let's run them as part of the pipeline and we should be fine. What happens is that reality is, is a bit, bit different from that because just running the tools as part of the pipeline doesn't mean everything gets fixed. Mm -hmm. And when we got to that stage, then you've seen attacks like SolarWinds or CodeCov, and you ask yourself, wow, I'm I'm not even prepared mentally to answer the question of how would I have found it originally? So you're getting to the point saying, okay, what is actually the landscape? Can, Can you just describe for me what exactly are the risks that I'm supposed to handle right now? Uh, So we started a journey by actually mapping everything that is in in the industry. Um, We created a work group with about 20 different companies. Um, All the work is public and open source uh, under the name OSCAR, the Open Software Supply Chain Attack Reference. Uh, It is actually in GitHub and also inside the pipeline bitofmaterial.dev or pbomb.dev. And it allows you to actually have a map of everything, all the known attacks, all the techniques that threat actors use over the past five years. And it creates for you some kind of understanding saying, okay, all of these are the risks and I know what attacks uh, they are associated with. So imagine a map that starts from the reconnaissance on the left side to the actual uh, impact on the right side. And we're allowing you to see what are the paths that you might have in your organization to actually understand how somebody can uh, actually do this work. Mm -hmm. Now that you've got full coverage on everything that you need to know about, you need to understand whether you can deal with them and what way you can deal with them and how can you automate them? Because the entire movement of DevOps started by saying, let's automate things instead of them being manual. Mm -hmm. I hope so far it makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So you mentioned before, how do I do password? How do I do software composition? But there are about a hundred different questions that you need to ask yourself. And here becomes a difference between somebody that comes from the DevOps orientation into security versus somebody that came from security to DevOps. Mm-hmm. The security person would ask, what are the risks and how would I mitigate them? While well, most of the DevOps guys will say, okay, how do I integrate this to the process in the easiest way so it will not... Uh, disrupt anything in the velocity of releasing code Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and here's the the tweak of how do we actually understand what's the difference between them so first number one priority is of course releasing in high velocity second is how do i make sure that i prevent issues uh in a way that does not hurt the developer's productivity
0: right those are the combinations how do you convince someone that this is important. And and, and what I mean, let me, let me explain my question a little bit, because I think we all agree that in the abstract, that security is an important concern. But there's always business concerns that come, come into play, especially if you're, if you're a brand new startup, especially, you know, I, I've worked on a number of startups, even financial uh, related startups, where the kind of the mentality was, yes, security is important, but not until we have revenue. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, I understand the mentality, but it can it might be dangerous. Uh, how do you how do you convince people that they need to put the time in to invest in, in, into security in their in their DevOps work?
1: Um, so, how we do it as a company, and then I'll, I'll give a general recommendation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, first of all, as a company, um, we're selling to companies that already have upset guys on board, so we don't need to convince them. This is their job. They've been doing this for a long time. They are professional. Um, so for them, it's about understanding the full map and being able to automate the entire software supply chain security process. Okay. So it, we don't need to convince them at all. Mm-hmm. They already tried a lot of products out there. Uh, most of the products, even those that are relatively young, let's say five years old, they're not really equipped to, to deal with the modern world. Um, they were built on older assumptions And the the new age of of DevSecOps are looking on those products and and you see them saying, you know what, we've paid for the service last year, we couldn't get the value and we need to find better alternatives. So most of them are already in the lookout uh, for younger and more innovative uh, approaches. Mm -hmm. Uh, we can't rely on technology that is designed 10 years ago or eight years ago uh, to solve today's problem. Uh, We've seen this in the cloud where the older cloud security uh, companies uh, simply yielded to new security companies because they came with the right approach versus older ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so the older companies are kind of being replaced and everybody's looking to replace them. Um, I, I think it's a movement that uh, everybody can uh, kind of agree on on the first place. The second part of, of the equation is that the security concerns comes usually after uh, some kind of an attack. Now, yeah. over the past year, we had like 25 big issues uh, that got to be a big concern for everybody. Um, starting with known CVEs in open sources, everybody had to jump in and change them overnight. <clears throat> through um, CI um, CIM systems that uh, were broken into and all the credentials were potentially exposed, uh, causing everybody with a certain vendor to just go in overnight and resetting all the passwords to previous events that are uh, saying, okay, if you're using this software or this package, then we're going to send it you, you got breached. So I think that every two weeks right now, we've got some kind of an article that rattles um, a segment in the industry. So I think that right now, it's more helping people at the time uh, so what we've done to do that is we have an open source as well, uh, which is completely free, uh, called Megalinter, that helps people to identify things. Uh, if they don't want to get to um, an investment or a long project, they need something ad hoc. Um, I think it's it's trending really nice. I think it, it already passed the 1,000 uh, stars, or I think it's already 1,300 stars um, in less than a year. Right. So shout out to Nicolas that is uh, maintaining this, Uh, and I think that we were trying to find ways to be productive in those areas, understanding that people just need a quick fix versus uh, thinking strategy uh, at the time of need.
0: I can imagine that you have uh, customers, clients who uh, are dealing with a lot of sensitive data. Uh, How do you handle that? What's your answer? You know, if if they're concerned about giving your technology access to their data? What, what's the answer there? So we see two different kinds of companies. Um, i probably
1: say that um, more traditional uh, companies are saying, look, we need everything running on-prem or on our cloud or on VPC, and we need to own this. Mm-hmm. And when you ask them why do you need to own this, what they're saying is, look, we do have a lot of passwords embedded in our code. And since we do have that, we cannot have the password to our payment service or a super, super um, something that is internal to us. Even if we wrote the password by mistake, we can't move it outside of the organization. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, we're saying that's not a problem. You can run uh, our service as part of your cloud. Uh, and, and we are doing it constantly. I think most of our larger customers actually prefer to be on-prem. Uh, They all say that they will move to the cloud at one point to be a public cloud, but uh, realistically speaking, the same. It will take us a few good years. Uh, We're running on a private cloud. Even if it's one of the uh, public clouds, everything needs to run as part of their VPC, their controls, and we're fine with that.
0: Right. Okay.
1: And the other one is saying uh, we don't want the maintenance, we want everything as a service uh, and not as uh, on a cloud. those, by the way, are the deployments that usually start and end within the same day. Um, so people get the value, understand how they actually get into Drive right developer. How do they create automation? And it's the easiest ramping up possible.
0: One one big part of DevOps is the idea of integration. That you know, kind of the idea that devs can own the the, the process, right? You know, you build it, you deploy it is, is sort of the mantra uh, that a lot of DevOps people use. How can we apply that? to security, because you know, security is such a big complicated thing, um, I, I can't imagine trying to expect every developer to learn all the nuances of security. So how, how do you accomplish this? Obviously, your tools do some of that for you, but how do you get the developers to understand this and, and to integrate with the, the security aspects here? I, I think it's a great uh, great question, uh, and I'll, I'll maybe broaden it for a second. Okay.
1: Developers right now are expected to understand performance, understand security, understand architecture, understand cloud, understand different coding languages. Uh, The expectations are accumulating on a daily basis. So security is just one style that they need to master. And obviously, there is no way to master it without spending a lot of time on it. So the easiest question is that there is no way to expect developers to do All the work without the proper guidance Mm -hmm. the way to get the proper guidance is by a a concept of a sherpa somebody that knows the ropes and actually tells you okay here are the things that you need to understand here are the things that uh, you should do here's the next step because when you're doing uh, a work with a sherpa it's usually a place that you hadn't been in yet And you need somebody to say, you know what, and we this is your first time in this scenario. This is where you should place your foot. This is where you should do this. These are the ropes that uh, we already prepared for you and help you uh, with the journey. I think the expectations from developers right now is for every tool to do this for them, whether it's performance, bugs, uh, tracing, security, the tool needs to be there for them not the other way around. We're not expecting the developers to be available to fix issues from the tools, but the other way around, for the tools to be able to guide developers in this journey, saying, why is this important? And in order for developers to interact with that, they need to create trust. And it is my experience that if you're just saying something uh, like, you've got here an issue and you should fix it, without giving a broader context, it is usually uh, getting a lot of uh, negative feedback. One of the things that I think can really improve that uh, is a combination of understanding the broader context of an issue. So let's say that you've changed a piece of code or even a a, a simpler case, you just imported right now as part of your code, a new package, but this package is already known to be vulnerable. Now, the developers They might have just copy pasted it from, uh, let's say, Stack Overflow, because they've seen an example that is doing just that. But this example is three years old, and they just brought in a wrong package. Nobody would say, you know what, that's a big no-no. You need to do update search and so on. You just take the code, edit, and then write your business logic on top of it. At that stage, somebody might come in and say, you know what, You just imported the package, three years old. When it was new, that was fine. Now we know it is vulnerable. Please note that your code is actually later on being pushed to the cloud and the code that you're generating right now, this API touches new vulnerable code and it is internet exposed. And there is an exploit uh, available on GitHub. Let's change the version number from here to here. It should work perfectly fine. And if somebody intervenes in the right time with that message, It is super easy for developers to actually say, you know what, let me just upgrade from version 3 to 4. Easy fix if you guide them to do that. On the other hand, if you're just going to tell them, guys, you've got a problem with what you did right now, then say, yeah, but velocity comes first. Mm -hmm. I don't have time to even understand what you want from me. So let's just move on. I'm going to set it and I'm going to fix it later. And later means probably not going to happen. Probably never, yeah. <laughs>
0: how do you balance the uh, the security concerns with the sort of fatigue that can happen? Especially, you know, maybe you have a, a legacy project, um, and you're and you're trying to get it up to speed, and you, know, you just have hundreds or thousands security vulnerabilities. How do you how do you cope with that? You you start with the highest priority ones first. Um, what, what 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 approaches can people take if they're if they're starting if they're starting this journey?
1: Um, So part of the process in security, it's always about having a lot of issues and understanding what you need to prioritize. Now, think about it as a metric, saying what's probable and what is the impact. Mm -hmm. So on this metrics, you might find yourself things that are low probability and low impact. Probably you'll get to them last. If you've got high probability, high impact, those categories will go first. Another question is, how do you distinguish between all the issues?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So across the uh, software supply chain, you might find yourself dealing with security controls on the code, on the posture of the systems, on the container level, on the cloud level, on the artifact level. You are going to find yourself dealing with a lot of things throughout the ecosystem. Um, and now you want to actually say, how do I normalize this? So let's take a, a simple playbook and say, I've got password in code. So what would be the next question that you would like to to ask yourself? Something like probably, is it part of a public repository or a private repository? Mm-hmm. If it is a public repository, oh, that's really bad. But then you ask yourself, wait, is this password actually active or did I already revoke it? Mm-hmm. If you revoked it and it's public, then you don't really care because nobody can do it anything such as saying you, you've got poor hygiene in your code, but it's not really exploitable. Mm -hmm. If it is um, with a password that is not revoked, it's active and it's public, yeah, well, this is bad. And then you ask yourself, okay, what is this code? Is it something that should have been internal or is it just a POC code doing something that is not important to your organization? So if you start mapping the next question constantly, you get to the place that you know what is the right label. Now imagine that for every case, there there is a playbook, meaning larger teams are already very uh, experienced with it. They wrote the playbook, they know how to play it. And now all you have to do is automate as much as you can from that playbook saying, oh, I understand that you've got right now a software composition issue. It is internet exposed uh, through an API that already we see a lot of traffic in the AWS uh, gateway, API gateway. Um, and the damages are remote code execution, and, so, and say, okay, this is really bad. This needs to go first. Mm-hmm. So this is how you think about the, the prioritization. Um, I'd probably say that most playbooks that we've seen in mature companies uh, might have 16 questions per item. And part of the challenge is how do you get the information? I Meaning, I'm asking you whether the password is active. You need to figure out, wait, what password is it for? What service is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the, that service or that service. Then I'll need to log in and I need to understand how to do it. So a lot of things is just about making things easy. If there's a password and I can connect and check whether it's active, easy. Uh, by the way, this is when people see their system for the first time and they see the evidence saying this password is active, it's exposed to the internet and such and such. The immediate reaction is, no, you've got a false positive. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, And then when you go and actually show them, guys, have a look here, I can actually open an SSH and connect your system with this token, for example. That's when they they actually understand that uh, they might have already been breached and they had no idea that the exposure was even there.
0: We've been hearing a ton in the last few months about ChatGPT and generative API or generative. AI. uh, Are you able to take advantage of this in in, in the work you do? And if so, how?
1: Uh, Yes. So first of all, we released uh, what we call OxGPT, which is our interpretation (laughs) of uh, large language model. Mm -hmm. And what we've done over there is understanding that uh, each developer needs different guidance. Um, And imagine that if you know what a developer might need in order to be productive in fixing security issues, then I can tailor a message directly for one person saying, you need more information, less information, guidance, just point me out and I'll do the rest. And each one with his own seniority. So what we're trying to do with this is actually uh, engineer the prompt in the right way. Uh, We figure out that there are about 30 different parameters that control the equation and now you can actually say okay this is a developer that likes just short and to the point show me the solution i'll get it done versus somebody that says you know what i'm i'm here in this organization for two months i don't really understand the ropes yet i'm i'm a bit concerned what i'm going to do is going to maybe the damages that I can't really understand right now and maybe i should have also guidance Um, so if you don't mind show me how am I supposed to do this and how am I supposed to communicate this to my manager as well and if you guide them through the process of actually what does it mean in a simple language and in language that you see in previous tickets it creates a lot of uh, uh, ability for the developers to do self-empowerment and actually get to the point they're able to solve the issues themselves super interesting technology
0: I hope this Question isn't a, a taboo question. Uh, I'm, I'm curious. We're, we all we're all geeks here, listening to the show. We're all nerds. Would you be willing to to lift up the hood a little bit of the technology you use and tell us, to whatever detail you're you're willing to share on a public show, what your technology looks like? What what language or languages do you use? Do uh, you deploy to Kubernetes or to EC2? How how, how does your system work? Uh, sure. So every, first of all, everything that we do is
1: product-led, so you can actually see it. Uh, we're great believers in open source, so you can actually see uh, how we do things. Um, so we're running Kubernetes. Uh, we are running on multi-cloud. In some customers, we're actually running on bare metal in the own deployment on OpenShift. Um, the entire system is isolated and works as a sandbox concept. So um, part of my previous role uh, was also to be in charge on the sandbox. And if you know how sandboxes actually work, is you take a virtual machine or a container, you load it with the data that you want and the code that you want to detonate within the sandbox. You uh, isolate it from every communication uh, abilities to the outside world and you detonate it to cause an execution or a scam, whatever it is, and you're just looking for the residues. Now, for us, it is super important to constantly isolate things to make sure that we have full control on all the ingredients and nothing gets compromised. For example, if you might bring in a code that uh, have access to the internet in order to pull new packages, then what I'm simulating might be different from what you're running in your code. So we need to be really precise on how we do this. In order to this, we, we've built everything on sandbox concepts. Uh, in terms of coding languages, um, so a lot of here is written uh, Node.js, Python. Uh, I think that there are some Go uh, in most cases. Um, so for us, it is uh, really straightforward, all new stack, uh, we've got great experts for each one of the components and ingredients. Uh, We've got great partners that are actually working with us on each one of the technology aspects, whether it's uh, storage or compute um, or even uh, GPUs, and how do you do parallel computing uh, in order to do things uh, really, really fast and deliver answers fast. Mm -hmm. So very, very diverse uh, technology stack. Um, Very cool. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, It's really nice to see model development versus, I would say developments that started five years ago, Mm -hmm. the barriers that older companies had in this field, uh, you can see them now starting to feel the pain of older infrastructure. And I think it's part of the the, uh, challenge that um, you need to be able to constantly renovate your infrastructure. And if you're doing it too late, then you're already in a place that it, you feel the pain of all the infrastructure. So it's constantly about uh, making sure that you've got the right infrastructure um, and make sure that you're able to run fast.
0: Um, so how do people... Let's talk about Aux a little bit. Aux uh, Security, your, your company and the services they offer. Uh, just really easy off the bat first. How, how does a team integrate into Aux? How does it integrate into their workflow? I assume webhooks or something with their CI pipeline, just paint that picture for me a little bit. Yeah, sure. So um,
1: you've got four major systems that control the build process. That is your software control system, or so CSM, uh, GitHub, GitLab, and others. Mm-hmm. You've got the CICD that builds the code um, and creates the artifact. You've got the artifact registry, and then you've got the production where you actually run the code. Those are the major four steps uh, across the line. Now, In order for us to integrate, we're asking for integration to those items. You can start with one, usually the the source control manager, uh, and then it gets you the entry point. But the more data that you're uh, allowing us to access, the more accurate the actual results will be. Mm -hmm. And then you're moving to the second stage or the peripheral stage saying, I need to do integration to the ticketing system in order to talk with the developers. So you might have, during one place, or you might have uh, another system in another place. And for us, it's about just integrating back to the developers uh, and, and allowing them to work, whether it's using apps uh, that are in, in the source control or things that are uh, part of uh, ticket management that are completely separated. So the integration is super easy, just APIs, no agent um, and no anything that it can interrupt um, production or slow down deployment, just APIs. How do,
0: what, what's the onboarding process like? So that's how, how the integration works. What's the onboarding process like? Let's say my company's decided that we're, we're going to sign up with OX security. Um, yeah. What's that process look like? Uh, so you
1: go to our site, ox.security you press uh, try now. It is ungated, so you can actually go and play yourself. Um, as part of the wizard, you can play with demo data. Or you say, no, I want to experiment with my own data. Um, demo data, Everything is pre-populated for you. You can browse uh, a, a demo organization, a few tens of repositories, um, you can find different issues. If you want to connect to your own organization, just say, I want to start with GitHub, GitLab, uh, SQL CI, whatever you, you've got right now, a list of plugins. You start with them, you connect connected, and within minutes, you already start to see the results. A really really easy onboarding because everything is just API based
0: and so that's ox is a website right yes exactly. dot is a website I didn't even realize that was a TLD but that's that's nice and easy to remember yes <laughs> there's too many TLDs to keep track uh, of these days yeah, it is there it is <laughs> nice uh, what else uh, would you like to tell listeners about ox security um, what what the what do people normally ask what what they what should they know? Uh, I think that
1: the thing that everybody asks us uh, when they hear what we we're doing is, well, how can we try this? Mm-hmm. Um, and the simple answer is, once again, go to the website. You can actually play with it uh, by yourself. You don't need any guidance. It is self service, ungated. And we're always happy to hear uh, feedback from people. Uh, inside a product, there's a way to leave us feedback. We're always here, happy to hear. Feedback about, wow, you're missing this. You should do this. I've got a special case like this. And it always drives interesting conversation about uh, why would you do that or how have we missed uh, such an important uh, use case. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've seen cases that we've learned from a lot. And we've seen cases that uh, when we are uh, in a conversation saying, look, we've been working with a lot of customers. Um, I must say that this is kind of, off the charts, what you're doing, Uh, just an indication for you where you are located versus everybody else. Uh, I think there are other solutions like this and this, or uh, so we're trying also to give some statistics about what we see in the industry, what are the the recommendations we see in other places. Uh, And sometimes, by the way, we, we ask companies if we can connect them to each other, because somebody is right now facing a challenge saying, I want to replace my CICV, Um And I'm really thinking between this and this. I'm saying, you know what, uh, there's another company that we've been working with. They've done this journey about four months ago. Uh, let me connect you guys. You, you can have this uh, chat between yourself.
0: Yeah. We're
1: awesome. doing a lot of those connections, just references uh, unrelated to us, just about other tools, technology, stack. Uh, and people actually show up to... Uh, we are organizing once a month a uh, dinner, and people just show up to, to discuss uh, unrelated things. Uh, we, we're always uh, happy to be part of those conversations. This is where we learn and evolve as
0: well. And how can people, other than Auxa Security, um, uh, how can people reach out maybe to you, get in contact with you? Are you on social media, or or is the website the best place? Uh, so the easiest way to get me is through LinkedIn. Uh, okay.
1: Our My handle is Neatsun, N-E-A-T-S-U-N, neat, like cool, and sun, the thing that lights the sky, last name Ziv, feel free. Uh, I know that I'm going to get uh, bombarded with uh, SDRs approaching me, and um, I actually rise up to the challenge saying the best one that uh, gets my attention with a very, very unique way to approach me, $100 for the winner in that contest.
0: (laughs) Nice.
1: <laughs> cool. I actually really like to see the creativity of people, and I'm always amazed. Uh, somebody just sent me, uh, it's a company that is doing um, SEO improvement, and they created a very nice movie on our website saying, how can we do your website better? That's a big investment. I really appreciate it. And
0: I contacted them, contacted them back. Anything else you think that our listeners ought to hear um, before we move on to picks?
1: Uh No. Thank you very much. It's uh, it's a great uh, show and, and really uh, thank you for uh, having me here.
0: Great. Thanks for coming on. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, so th- this is the part of the show where we, we do picks. if you have one. Uh, so I'm going to start with a pick. Uh, I just started reading Dave uh, Farley's new book, uh, Modern Software Engineering. So that's going to be my pick. Um, I've read his older book, uh, Continuous Delivery, which is kind of a classic now. Um, this one just came out, I think, at the end of last year. So um, I've enjoyed his YouTube channel, uh, Continuous Delivery, and uh, I'm, I'm enjoying the book. So it's, it's a really nice book sort of uh, trying to, uh, shall I say, rescue the term engineering? You know, it's kind of gotten a bad reputation as being bloated and overloaded, and you know, so on. And he's trying to rescue that term and say, actually, what we're doing—if we're doing software development correctly—is engineering in the truest sense. And 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 here's how to do it better. So I, that's my recommendation. That's my pick for the week. Uh, may, I, may I join as Well, to that pick as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I would
1: take on the same category. Uh, The Phoenix Project. Uh Um, I'm sure that you heard about this book a lot and maybe others have already referenced it. I think it's a book that actually explains really well why does the DevOps uh, movement is really changing the world. Uh, I read it a few good years back um, and it changed my perspective. There wasn't anything novel at that book, but it just took the concept and and embedded into real characters, you can actually relate from your day to day and say i I get it now i I get it
0: from a deeper place Mm -hmm. good i like that book that's another that's a good one i I read it many years ago but yes it's a good book too so it's like eight ten years ago yeah great two great picks uh thanks uh nissan for coming on uh it was a pleasure chatting uh we'll hopefully stay in touch and chat again sometime soon all right until next week cheers all right